Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by Matt Fleury, CEO of the Connecticut Science Center. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Aaron. Thanks for having me. The Science Center is celebrating its 10th anniversary this year. Tell us how things have changed over the past decade. Well, it's amazing. On, on one hand, it feels like it's been a long 10 years, but in, in another respect, it seems like scarcely the blink of an eye. Uh, we cut the ribbon in June of 2009 uh, after a uh, rigorous uh, effort to, re- to build the Science Center on what was a parking lot at the time in downtown Hartford on what is now really a thriving district of, of uh, the Convention Center and the Front Street District and Yukon and uh, Trinity and uh, various other developments downtown. Uh, so, uh, yeah, in 10 years, uh, we've certainly changed the Science Center a great deal, the experience, the visitor experience, things you see, things you do, the way we operate. All that has evolved um, in ways that I think have led to uh, an even better institution than we were when we opened. Um, and, uh, you know, we can talk about some of the particulars, but uh, I think fundamentally the thing that's uh, changed is we've gone from wondering how this community would embrace uh, the Connecticut Science Center to feeling very affirmed by the 3.25 million plus visitors we have seen since that momentous occasion, June 12, 2009, who've come through and uh, really embraced the Connecticut Science Center and made it their family learning destination here in central Connecticut. And for many people, it's the place they go from across New England. Ten years ago, some folks would be hard-pressed to get a correct answer when you ask them what STEM stands for, the acronym. And as you've noted recently, it's almost as if the STEM community has grown up around the Science Center in downtown Hartford. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And there are still uh, plenty of people uh, who we try not to assume as easy as it is for us in the so-called STEM field to assume that people know what it means, science, technology, engineering, and math. Though I was talking with a doctor friend the other day who said it should be science, technology, engineering, and medicine, so you can appropriate it as you'd, as you'd like. Um, but science, technology, engineering, and math, um, you know, just in reviewing some of the early, early um, notes uh, that I have in my files, having been involved in the development of the Science Center, I've reflected back on some of the uh, early days of the genesis of the Science Center and the uh, conversations by the founding Uh, Board of Trustees um, and others. And it really was uh, then a lesser known but just as important imperative. Uh, They saw, uh, as we are experiencing, that the workforce of the future would in very many cases be around the science and technology and engineering fields, which frequently involve math, uh, and that the workforce of the future was in doubt. 
for uh, some, it was a question of, at that time, the expense, not the political issues, of importing talent from overseas. Uh, I remember the uh, chairman and CEO of one of the big uh, pharmacy companies at the time uh, saying that he had a you know, a phalanx of uh, half a dozen or more immigration lawyers dealing with bringing talent in to help them with their innovations and worrying that that was not sustainable, nor was it optimal for American citizens um, who, if only they are prepared and see the futures they can have in these fields, could be the ones to have these fantastic jobs. Uh, so this continues evermore to be really a very important calling for the Science Center and our work, that we're in a state which is creating tens of thousands of jobs in advanced manufacturing and bioscience and insure tech and finance tech uh, that are going wanting for talent. And to compete, we have to do what we've always done, which is to provide employers with a phenomenal workforce. And if we don't have more students across all the different uh, flavors of our communities start to embrace STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, uh, in their studies and in their professional outlook, um, we're going to really be in a tough situation where not only will we see a bunch of jobs go wanting for talent, we'll, go for, we'll see a lot of people who need those jobs be unprepared to take them. That's a travesty on its face. And then, of course, the uh, implication of all that is that companies have to make decisions about where they go. And we're seeing, uh, in many cases, uh, despite all the sort of conversation about whether, whether it's tax policy or whether we have tolls, again and again, we see companies, when they talk about their location decisions, fundamentally, it gets down to the question of we want to be where the talent is. So can our state of smaller cities contend on the basis of talent in the way we always have? I think that's the question. That's what the Science Center is here to do. And you're here to help us prove that the answer is yes, but it's not a slam dunk. We all have a lot of work to do. Certainly, there's an educational role for the Science Center, but how else can you facilitate innovation in Greater Hartford? Well, I think it is uh, education is, is a big part of it, obviously. And we're on the kind of the, the open funnel side of that, Aaron, where, you know, we're, we're inviting a child who might not be considering science as part of their life. Uh, to come in and have an experience where they find that science is tangible, relevant, accessible, fun, heaven forbid, and walk out saying, you know, gee, maybe I want to ask a, a few more questions about what this engineering thing really is because, oh my gosh, I could be helping to create the next generation of flight. So those are the kinds of door-opening conversations we afford. But at the same time, we also want to help to brand our community as a science as an engineering, as an innovating, creative place. And that's the essence of what created our community. You know, there's a reason Pratt Street's named Pratt Street. <laughs> there's a reason Rentschler Field is named Rentschler Field. Uh, these are the great innovators who created um, our community, and that can't just be our tradition. It has to be our future. Um, so what we're doing uh, in one sense, just as a very bold architectural icon that now has a very prominent place on the skyline of our capital city is saying, hey, this is a community that still sees itself that way. And we have outsiders have to see that, but also insiders, those who live in our community, in our state. We have to recapture that self-view and culture that we're an innovating place and an innovating people and that that's our future. So the Science Center 
expresses that both through our imagery and the iconography of the Science Center, but also the experience we offer and the message we send. And we've really been excited to see in the last 10 years uh, from a time when we were really one of the only things, particularly in the science and technology category in downtown Hartford. You know, now if you just look around the area, you see everything from the new UConn campus and all of its wonderful programs to the St. Joe's uh, Pharmacy School, uh, to Trinity College having a presence downtown, uh, to Stanley Black & Decker's magnificent new 4.0 uh, Manufacturing Innovation Center. I've just visited um, Nassau Re, which isn't what, what used to be the Phoenix. We, we knew it as the Phoenix Building, that other beautiful architectural uh, building in downtown Hartford. And uh, they've got an innovation shop going. There's the uh, new Makerspace CT in what was once the G. Fox Building, then was dead for years, and now is the home of Capital Community College and Makerspace Connecticut. Um, these things are starting to add up. Uh, they're starting to add up so that we now have some energy. And then you don't have to go much farther to see the new Jackson Labs biotech uh, um, complex in Farmington or on the other side, you know, the United Technologies Research Center or the Pratt & Whitney Engineering Center, um, which is really changing, you know, the whole econ economy of flight uh, in the commercial and, uh, and, and, and uh, military um, area with the new uh, geared turbofan jet engine, which is far more efficient, much quieter. You know, these are big things. These will change uh, businesses, uh, lives, uh, the world over. And they happen here, and we have to keep it that way. Do you get the sense that perhaps if you've lived here all your life, you may have missed this innovation, you know, sprouting up in the same place where you, you know, work day in and day out? Yeah, I think that's a natural tendency for all of us. You know, the thing you see every day, you know, you don't notice your child day to day growing. But if you went away for two weeks and came back or you send them off to camp and then come back, you're like, my gosh, this child, his hair got too long uh, and, he's, uh, and he's gotten bigger. Uh, and I think, you know, we, look, in Connecticut, we're not great at uh, looking at an optimistic future for ourselves, it seems. Um, and this is, you know, I think one thing we need to overcome. Um, and it's not that much of a stretch when you look at the heritage and you look at what's happening now. And if you don't, you know, find a solace in, uh, you know, going back 50 years, then go back 20 years. Go back to the day when I moved back to Hartford in 2000. Uh, and there was not much going on other than the aftermath of having lost the Whalers and not received the Patriots. Uh, and, you know, you look at almost any corner in the city now and you find what was in that period of time a dead building or a non-existent building in a parking lot. And something's happening now. Now, we're not there yet. We've got a lot of work to do, but we've got some momentum. Uh, we need to not be thrown off stride when things don't break our way. We need to look up uh, and keep going because we're making progress. Speaking of going back 50 years, later this month, the Connecticut Science Center will mark the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11th moon landing. Yeah, and you know, we have, a, there's a gentleman in, at the Science Center, he's been volunteering, he's kind of our heroic volunteer, Ed O'Connor, who was a, an engineer at uh, Hamilton back in the day, uh, when they were uh, basically creating the life support systems for those missions. And Ed, who's a grandfather now and has a wonderful way about him with kids, is constantly telling this story to our visitors at the Science Center. And he's able to talk firsthand about what it took to make that mission happen. 
So here we are 50 years later. Uh, Ed and others celebrate that in a more personal way. But at the Science Center, we've got a wonderful new movie uh, about the Apollo uh, landing. Uh, we've got a lot of programs. We'll be doing a big celebration on the anniversary date in, uh, a little later in the month. Uh, and uh, it's just one of those great moments uh, in science that united the country. And um, it's fun to look back on that, but also use it as an opportunity to remind ourselves of what we're capable of uh, and to do more. You're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Matt Fleury. He is the CEO of the Connecticut Science Center in downtown Hartford. What are some other reasons to visit the Science Center this summer? Well, they're going to be uh, the usual array of exhibitions that we're constantly uh, upgrading, renewing. We try to keep the favorites, the favorites, uh, and nurse them along because they get a lot of wear and tear. Um, but uh, we uh, also feature uh, new exhibits. Um, we've recently launched a new roller coaster type of exhibition where it's your job to using a ball instead of a roller coaster full of kids. Uh, there's all sorts of contraptions to create uh, chutes and ladders types of things to uh, create large scale um, uh, experiments there. And that's proven to be very popular for moms and dads um, working with their kids. Uh, not just for the kids. We are featuring uh, for just a couple of more weeks now the Real Bodies exhibition, which has drawn so many students studying anatomy. And um, it's been, uh, you know, the medical students uh, just getting a look at the human body in a way that was not possible before. Um, so that's uh, a draw uh, into August. Uh, and then uh, programmatically, the team is just doing such a wonderful job with the live science experiences that they offer. Uh, and those include um, increasingly activities that really reveal the potential of STEM careers. And we talked about this a little bit uh, previously, Aaron, but the idea that um, if we don't open the eyes of children at the right early age to these possibilities, they're going to forget about it. And it'll be too late and they'll be down another path. Now, that's not to say that other path couldn't be wonderful, but we'd hate to have them go down another path having eliminated for themselves the potential to be in some of the science and technology fields. And one of the fundamental things we tell them is that you don't have to look at, you know, eons and abundant debt um, for a PhD or a master's degree in all these fields. You know, the people they're hiring at really good salaries to build jet engines, to build those submarines down at Groton, um, and to work at Stanley Black & Decker, uh, and to work in the healthcare fields around the genomic sciences category, which seems very sort of exotic and foreign to people. Well, genetic counseling is a huge endeavor, and genetic technicians in labs are, you know, those are jobs that a lot of kids can have without having a Ph.D., they can go to a community college and turn that credential around really fast, just like they can for a lot of the other tens of thousands of jobs that are available now. So we're trying to raise the profile of these opportunities, both the more accessible ones, which I emphasized in my comments a moment ago, but also the ones that are, you know, jobs that are loftier and would require more preparation, but are world-changing jobs also. Um, just to say that you can do these, here's what they are, here's a path to them so that mom and dad maybe weren't thinking of their child doing this and say, you know, he's a creative kid, but he actually could turn that into an innovation that would apply in a scientific way or in a solution-oriented way to our world's problems, whether it be climate change or uh, manufacturing uh, technologies. So um, we're doing a lot of live experiences which get people closer to these things and, and open their minds and their eyes to them. And they're fun. 
They're fun activities. We're reaching tens of thousands of kids with this message. And the reason it's so important for the Connecticut Science Center to be doing this is that the research shows that a child who by the age of 13 can visualize herself or himself in a field like science is two times or more more likely to be in that endeavor on the other side of college or through college. And it was very interesting and um, also familiar to me that that as an indicator of their future in those fields trumps their performance in math and science in high school. So if you're not doing great in math and science in high school or your child wasn't or isn't, it doesn't eliminate them from those fields. If they have the desire and the interest, now you're looking at a child with the potential really to overcome whatever those deficits are and find their home in these fields. So um, that's you know a big part of the mission that we're delivering. But throughout all that, you're getting a lot of fun with things like MassFest uh, and all of the great uh, activities you get at the Science Center during a, a family visit. Do you have a, a target age range you think about when you have children visiting? We do, um, and our, you know, in fact, our mission is really about what we call lifelong learning, which says that you or your grandparents, uh, or I and my ten-year-olds, um, and my two-year-olds when they were two, um, uh, would have an equally uh, entertaining and educational time. But the reality is if you look at who brings their children to science centers, including ours, you're typically seeing kids between 5 and 13 or 14. There are many, many thousands of kids on both sides of that bell curve, naturally. But if you looked at the concentration, that tends to be it. And that's why I say that the sweet spot for them to make that choice happens to be right during the moment they're likely to come to a science center. So we're all about leveraging that experience, that opportunity to make an impact, to have them walk away with just a little bit more open-mindedness um, to the meaning of science in their lives, to what science can do to help them explain the world around them, and to what science and engineering and technology can do in their hands, in their brains, to help make it a better world in the future. You mentioned some of the favorite exhibits at the Science Center. What are some of those? Well, there's such an array of 150 to 160 interactions that you can do with different things from space to water to physics um, that it's a little hard to choose. Um, one that's uh, a real favorite that I like, um, and this is partly because the Flurry Boys grew up with this, as have so many children here in Connecticut in the last 10 years, is the water play area, which is one of the first things you see when you uh, enter the exhibit area of the Science Center. And there are water jets and fountains and pools and whirlpools. And uh, it's just marvelous. And, and, you know, parents of younger kids joke that the elevator bank across from this exhibit doesn't get used until they're five or six because they're really not interested in doing anything else. So we bring a change of clothes. Um, and uh, they just have a fabulous time. But, you know, the space exhibition is always a hit. It's just a very, uh, forgive the term, atmospheric type of non-atmospheric um, uh, simulation, um, dark and eerie and, and wonderful uh, experiences and imagery in there. Um, we have recently created a new butterfly encounter, which is a really immersive tropical environment 
um, populated by living tropical butterflies of brilliant colors. Some are much bigger than you would imagine. Uh, they'll land on a child's hand. Um, it's mesmerizing and beautiful. And we even have a, uh, a case, which is essentially a butterfly birthing center, where you can see them emerge from the chrysalis. And that's a magical moment uh, for a child, and there are just uh, myriad teaching opportunities possible there, whether it's just families talking about what's happening or a teacher bringing a class of kids to talk about metamorphosis very specifically. Does the type of group the Science Center welcomes change depending on the time of year? Do you host more school groups during the school year and now more tourists as we enter the summer season? Absolutely. It's uh, it's in some ways very predictable. And then there's one variable which relies often on you uh, here at WTIC, um, uh, which is the weather. So uh, yeah, during the spring, uh, teachers are looking for a field trip for the kids and uh, we're very popular there. Just tens of thousands of kids from all across the state, from Massachusetts, Rhode Island, uh, even New York State will come in on buses. Uh, then on the weekend, a uh, beautiful weekend in the forecast around 8 or 9 o'clock, it's going to be a little quieter because people go to the beach in the parks uh, or play in the backyard. If it's a rainy Saturday uh, in the summer on a holiday, boy, it's just uh, a knockout day at the Science Center. Um, so it's uh, predictable in terms of people's availability. And then the other factor is what's going on outside. So if you want the Science Center to yourself, come on a beautiful day. <laughs> and incidentally, we have frozen yogurt, we have Subway sandwiches, we have a beautiful plaza. So it's not all an indoor experience and it's not just a one-dimensional museum experience. You can sort of have an outing together. But uh, if you uh, like to have the place to yourself, that's the time to come. People understand. I mean, the week after Christmas, for example, is incredibly busy because that's a time when people have family in from out of town. They want to do something special. They love to come to the Science Center. And, you know, I'll walk up and down the hall there apologetically saying, you know, we've got, you know, a dozen cashiers working here as fast as we can. And we'll take care of you and thank you for being patient. And they say, hey, we get it. This is what everybody's doing. We chose to be here. We knew what we were in for. It's like shopping the two days before Christmas. Um, you know, and they're very understanding. But our team works really hard on customer care. That's, you know, as much as we talk about the scientific experience, if the customer experience, the visitor experience at the Science Center falls down, you're not going to get a chance to share the science. So our team just does a fabulous job of taking care of people um, efficiently, politely, courteously, and making them know we appreciate the fact they chose the Connecticut Science Center. How many people are on that team, by the way? Well, it's not as big as you would think, given everything that we do. But uh, it's around uh, 75, 80 people. Um, that fluctuates a little bit seasonally to take care of those throngs, uh, depending on whether they're coming in the ticketing counter when you need more people or uh, coming in uh, off the buses where uh, it's a little bit of a different uh, story. Um, but uh, this team, they work their hearts out. When you think about what they do, the first-class visitor experience, all the operational aspects of a giant, complex building, and the interactive you know, electromechanical uh, digital devices, which take a beating every day that our team has to maintain, the innovative, creative aspect of exhibit design and development, and then the whole uh, educational program, whether that's um, sharing things with visitors in the exhibit galleries um, in a very special way we do, or working with classes of kids in our labs or off-site at a school, or helping teachers through our teacher training program become more adept at teaching science in our schools. 
and you know, of course, marketing, finance, operations, all those things that go along with it. Um, fundraising, you know, it's these are very complex and nuanced institutions. But our team is a crackerjack crackerjack group. We are led by a uh, group of volunteer trustees who are the Science Center board, who are the governing board uh, of the Science Center, uh, who are incredibly devoted, and they're very, you know, uh, folks who are in, you know, all. Uh, offices of corporate or uh, uh, people who lead academic institutions or people who are just philanthropic in the community and really care about what we do and support it. Um, So it's a great group um, of volunteer leaders as well as the professionals who run the Science Center every day and provide the experiences. He is Matt Fleury, CEO of the Connecticut Science Center. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t